You're listening to Curated Consciously, your all-in-one platform for navigating and nurturing your conscious living journey. Why? Because diving into environmental justice comes with heartache and a lot of damn work. We gotta do it, but as a community, we can make the load a little lighter. Every week, we're bringing you stories, insight, and wisdom from a diverse community of leaders, activists, and influencers helping you live a more holistic lifestyle that connects your health, wellness, and love for Mama Earth. This podcast is sponsored by Cause Artists, the world's number one platform for social impact and innovation stories around the world. If you're looking to get inspired, hit us up at causeartists.com. And of course, I'm your host, Jasmine Ray, curator-in-chief at Curated Consciously and social entrepreneur. You can connect with me and our community on Instagram at Curated Consciously. Now roll your shoulders back, get comfy, put the coffee on. It is time to deep dive into some thought-evoking conversation curated consciously. Okay, Kels, at what point in starting something new or, you know, learning something new, do you begin to think that you're like just going to fail? Honestly, Jasmine, with me, it's typically straight away. (laughs) Mm. Um, I'll usually get into a thing with a lot of excitement and a lot of energy and enthusiasm for it. And as soon as it gets real, I I believe that I'm going to fail because I, I, I believe that I am not up to the task. Mm. Yeah, I definitely resonate with that. I feel like when I feel like when someone like comments on the fact that I'm doing something new or I'm learning something new, like even if it's my mom and they're like, oh, you're like, you're you're doing really great at this, or like, oh, like, did you hear that like Jasmine picked up this new, I don't know who's talking about me like that, but definitely a mother. Um, <laughs> but you know, like, or even, even with Hotter World, like launching, to, I, I feel like in the beginning stages, I'm so like excited that I'm like, fuck yeah, like I'm going to just go and do all these things and like make it possible. And then when it's a real thing, that's when I look at it and I'm like, okay, I'm going to fail. Like, why did I build this? Like, wh- like, is this, is this right? is this what I was supposed to do? Like, did I do it correctly? And obviously, you know, that journey has taught me that like, no, you're probably not going to do everything correctly the first time. Um, Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. But also like having to navigate the fact that, you know, you, you start something, even whether it's like a freaking online course, you start it. And then like halfway through, you're just like, Oh God, like, do I really want to do this? Like, uh, am I going to fail? Like, is it worth it? And am I the right person to do this? And I feel like that question, am I the right, if am I the right person to do this is something that definitely I struggle with. So. Oh, for sure. Mm, actually, that just reminded me. So uh, I think I was just mentioning to you, I was mentioning to you before this, that like last week, I'm pretty sure I'm just like, hormonal and you know stuck inside but I was like I I recently found an article uh that was written by oh gosh I feel like a a a nerd for like not remembering but it was like some kind of like educational institution on social entrepreneurship in Europe uh I feel like somewhere in like Scandinavia and they were listing out like the top 20 social entrepreneurs that you should know and I was number two and that number two and and I'm just like what like what like I don't deserve to be there and like the number one person was Bill Drayton who was like the founder of Ashoka and I'm like what there's no way that I am number two on, on that list and you know I even read what they wrote about me and it sounds great but you know when I reflect that back I'm like whoa like that's like, that is not enough to be on this list. Like I need to do more work. I don't deserve to be here. And, and I, and I realized in that moment that I'm like, okay, these are actually 
the perfect signs of realizing that you have imposter syndrome. Because yes, I did build something wonderful and I love my little hotter world that I built. But, you know, as someone who's so passionate about uh, working in the social space, like I, I don't think I deserve recognition until I've, till I've, you know, reached my goals of the project and I'm nowhere near. Well, that, in that example, Jasmine, I find, um, especially, oh, I don't know, stressful, I guess, because you didn't even know that that article was happening. Like, no, the author didn't talk to you. And so it's like, how is my work getting out there with my intervention and so it seems really extreme also yeah that's a fair point I feel like most of the articles that I find about me I just randomly come across them and I'm like what there was there was another article that was published recently uh or it was like a platform that like listed different social projects and they had like freshly just listed like um like entrepreneurs in the travel space and they listed how to, they listed me in Hotter World, and they even mentioned the entire like uh, micro grant program that we launched during COVID. Right. And I was like, "What? Like people are 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 following along that much? Like they they know? Right. It, it's also this idea of like, whoa! Like even the little things that I do, like they really could make an impact." But yet I'm sitting here like, that, no, 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 no. That that's not enough. That that's really not enough. Right. Like they, I need to be right. literally solving world hunger in order for you to be writing about me. And um, right. yeah, and I'm and it's clearly like Jasmine, you are suffering from imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's such, I, it's such a hard one. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm I'm wondering, like, what do we do? What do we do when we're in this situation? Mm. Like, you, we've realized that we are kicking ourselves because we're terrified of failure, which is a continued conversation from episode two with Justine. Because, you know... Shout out to Justine. Yes, she is incredible. And she, you know, she really, she fully embodies, like, everything she's doing and I'm like okay maybe she doesn't have imposter syndrome she's definitely rocking it um but the thing is like something that I noticed in in this like idea of feeling like you're an imposter in whatever space you're in you know uh usually you don't realize that uh you know you're actually just being silly or you know where you have like a crazy ego and you're actually an imposter and somehow your ego has helped uh, you uh, thrive, even though you might be a dumbass. Um, right. So, <laughs> well, and, and with that, like to that note, I think that one of the biggest, oh, pause. My dog Fox has joined the podcast here today with us. Hi, Foxy. <laughs> she uh, just wants to be pet all day, every day. Um, but coming back to imposter syndrome and um, the idea of the ego that you brought up, I think that one of the most influential times that I experienced severe imposter syndrome was actually when I was in theater school. And mm. um, actors are given this, you know, title by society of having this confidence and ego and like putting yourself out there. And I honestly think that all of them, <laughs> at least the majority of actors that I've come in contact with, um, suffer the most uh, that I've seen in, in terms of imposter syndrome. Um, and maybe it's because we're always pretending to be somebody else. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, but for me, it was in my it was in my second year of theater school, and our um, our graduating class was putting on Beauty and the Beast. Great, fantastic, love it, and whatever. Um, and I, being 
who I am, um, auditioned for Mrs. Potts. And um, one of my best friends at theater school at the time also wanted that role. And um, I got I got the role of Mrs. Potts and um, then spent the next few months in rehearsals, um, individual personalized rehearsals with the vo vocal teacher um, to sing tales all the time in front of everybody. And like knowing that my friend was a better singer than me, but that like, I, I don't know if I was cut out for this, but it was the role that I wanted. And isn't it such a great opportunity? Um, and the night before opening, it's preview night. And that just means that it's um, kind of like friends of the theater who are invited to show up for preview night. All of the staging is, um, is planned out. The lighting is sorted. The costume is a full like costume dress rehearsal and there are people in the audience and it's all people who it's a lot of it was alumni um who we've been in classes with the year before so all all people that we knew right um not an intimidating crowd at all and I got my Mrs. Potts costume on and I my makeup was done and it was about 10 minutes to the curtain and I collapsed in the green room bathroom and in a full-on panic attack like I've never had before and just the idea that I had to stand in front of uh crowds of people for two weeks and sing this song that everybody else knows the words to and if I mess it up um then everyone will notice and and one of the big things was that we uh we had a live orchestra the school orchestra and um earlier in the week during during rehearsals when we were practicing with the orchestra for the first time um the the conductor started tale as old as time and I was kind of like waiting for my cue to come in. Um, and and then the conductor was also waiting for me. And so there was like this pause in the music oh where everybody, like every single person in the orchestra was just like holding their note. And I was waiting for the next note and the... Um, conductor looks at me and goes, oh, well, are you, are you going to continue? And I was like, oh, I was waiting for you. And he said, oh, no, no, you are the soloist. We follow you. Aww. And I could have died. So like the whole, so that was the week before. And then I'm going up on stage for like this, this preview night rehearsal and like, not only is the audience going to know if I mess this song up, but the orchestra follows me. Like it all, <laughs> just, it all just felt so wild. And like, and I honestly, I was so anxious and so depressed during that whole time that like, Jasmine, I'm a, I'm a be truthful with you here real quick. Mm. I barely remember that time in my life. Like none of my short-term memories got transferred into long-term memories from those four months. None of them. That's interesting. Why do you think that is? I think it's stress and I wasn't sleeping mm. and, um, and just this, this whole idea that something that was so precious and such a great opportunity just ended up being something that not only could I not enjoy, uh, but I actually have a hard time enjoying it now. And it's nearing 10 years later. That's interesting. I'm, it's funny, I can definitely relate to imposter syndrome and uh, like, sorry, I just lost my sentence. Uh, I was trying to decide the right word I wanted to use, but I was in, uh, when I was in musical theater in high school, when I went to like a specialized art school, I remember 
wanting roles so bad and then realizing that I probably wasn't the right person for them, but wanting them so bad that like I would literally hurt my own self knowing that Mm. like, actually, you know, what's my mom. So I, I did a lot of, I think actually like the acting space or just like the theater space in general is a great, a great platform to kind of talk about imposter syndrome as well. Um, I didn't actually think of this, but I also think, cause I, I don't actively think so much about high school days anymore because it was, it was, <laughs> it was over 10 years ago, but um, yeah. yeah, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm so old. Um, <laughs> sweet baby Jesus. Um, <laughs> I probably shouldn't bring inside jokes that are related to religion onto the podcast. Um <laughs> But what I was going to say is when I was little, so I was doing, I was acting at a really young age. Like I was doing commercials and I was in movies and stuff at a really young age. Nothing like super important at all. So don't worry. Uh, everybody. <laughs> just, just cheaper by the dozen too. No big deal. And well, actually I was in like, my claim to fame is the 50 cent movie. Like, come on guys. Like we, who doesn't <laughs> want to be in a 50 cent movie? But, um, you know, I remember my mom knowing like, she was so conscious about the fact that she was like, okay, my daughter is going to start doing, uh, start working in this space. And the biggest thing that she needs to get used to is rejection. Mm. So my, my mom, uh, sent me sometimes to like auditions that I obviously wasn't going to get, but she needed me to, oh my God, my mom was genius. I can't believe she actually did this. Now that I'm, she, she wouldn't tell me, that I wasn't going to get them, but she would send me to auditions that I was obviously not, uh, like it, it just didn't suit me. Like I would, so for example, when the new, uh, the remake of Peter Pan came out with like literally an all white cast, obviously, you know, right. my, my mom sent me to like the open audition for Wendy. And right. I walked into that room, the only colored kid, uh, and uh, with a bunch of different, like, you know, obviously my body shape and uh, like my size at the age of like 11. <laughs> it's obviously like, it was, like, I was a full size adult by the time I was 11. Um, and anyways, so like, you know, I walk into this room, there's like 20 girls who all look the same. They're all fair skin, light brunette hair, like night, like light eyes. And I walked into that room with like full on confidence. It was like, fuck it. Like I'm unique looking, I'm going to do this. And like, you know, obviously it was super sad when I didn't get the part, but like I, you know, but it, it instantly made me realize like, okay, like, okay, I need to learn how this industry works at this young age, knowing that it's very based on looks and like, you know, there are 101 million people probably going for the same role. And anyways, like, you know, I had to really step into like, a con- like be self-aware and conscious at a young age and realize that um, like, hey, you're actually decent at this, but you know, it's not, you're not always going to be chosen because uh, looks are a really big part of, you know, casting mm-hmm. for specific, well, like, yeah, for, for, for stage, but definitely for screen. And, yeah. um, and yeah, I feel like it's so, you know, maybe the problem is with imposter syndrome is that, you know, we have also been made to think that before we go after something like, well, okay. Okay. No. I, I, I backtrack. Sorry. Also, we sorry. Everyone, Kelsey and I did not prepare for this episode. We were like, let's just do it. <laughs> so we're just like rambling through it. But I think what I'm when I look at like this our lifespan, I feel like when we're a kid, we're told like you can do anything you want. Like, oh my god, right. I will support you. But like you. Oh my god! I was about to say I don't have an example. I'm like, what is my example? Um, I, I yeah, I don't have an example. Sorry, but you can literally anything. You like, you can be a pilot. You can you <laughs> can be an astronaut. You can yeah. be a ballerina. You can have the unicorn. Everything is fine. Yeah. Okay. Astronaut is a great one. Like, okay, you can be an astronaut, and it's like, okay, Jazz, 
you're going to be an astronaut when you're older. Then you get to like middle school or high school and they're like, okay, we need you to take every single biology, science, math, Mm. trigonometry course there is available and you're like you're like oh hell no i'm not taking any (laughs) of those but i still want to be an astronaut so you find your way to like okay i'm not going to take these courses how can i get around this uh well no you can't get around that pilot pilot. (laughs) sure can you can you be a pilot without all those i don't know i don't know but i guess the biggest thing here (laughs) is that like as we age, moral of the story is that we realize like, yeah, we can do anything we want, but we have to put in a shitload of work to get there. Yeah. And I right. think, you know, and I, I think the biggest issue here is that there is now in 2020 where like, sorry, like Gen Z is making my brain explode because I still don't understand trap music and I don't <laughs> understand how people who make videos on TikToks, a tic- TikTok, TikTok, <laughs> oh my God, I'm, the TikTok, I'm literally aging myself just like trying to say it is the TikTok, <laughs> I felt like, like the guy who's like on the Twitter, um, yeah, uh, but I like ultimately, you know, I, my, I'm just, yeah, sorry. Okay, hold on. I got distracted by TikToks. Um, but like, I still don't, I still don't understand how people could like do videos on this platform and then suddenly have a music career even though they have no talent. And and right. that's why I'm I'm so like okay, I'm sitting here thinking like I don't have enough education, skills, uh, experience mm. to feel at home in this career that I've built for right. myself. Meanwhile, there are literally people who are actually imposters who are making bucket loads of cash doing shit that they're right. not good at. So it's like, right. where, where do we draw the line? Where do we just say, like, uh, I am enough? When, when do we step in? What are the remedies for helping us feel better Definitely. in the situation? Because at the yeah. end of the day... Uh, we might feel this way, but there's always going to be somebody who is doing exactly what you're doing with maybe less experience, less education, less give a shit, yes. um, you know, <laughs> that's, that's just reaping yeah. all the benefits of like, it, you know, I shouldn't say benefits. That's, that's silly, but like getting the exposure and like sure. acknowledgement that they probably don't fully deserve, but it's happening. And they're influential. It is. Well, and I and I like you pointing towards the the sentence, um, I am enough. <laughs> right? Like none of us tell ourselves that ever enough. Um, and and so just yeah, pointing us towards mm-hmm. the direction of I am enough. When you how do you draw that line? How do you establish like I am exactly where I'm supposed to be and I am enough? Uh, for what I am doing and I hate to say it because I'm such an advocate for um, self-empowerment but I do believe especially if we're talking about imposter syndrome in careers I I do fully believe that outside affirmation is is vital and important Mm. uh, for for getting rid of that imposter syndrome and I and I think that if you're um, within an uh, organizational structure that has a management and that you have a manager, um, your career, or at least your job at that location, could be made or broken by what, what out, by, by your manager um, and their management style and whether or not they give you um, outside affirmations or not. And, and you can have a manager who, who gives the opposite of affirmations and you work really hard to, to, to try and fix that. And then your health ends up declining and your, your mental state, your emotional state, your spirit, all of those things start to degrade over time simply because these out like you're not getting the outside affirmation that you require to 
do your utmost within this position. And likewise, if you're, if you're in a job that you love with a manager who, who doesn't let you get away with things and who will push you to uh, get better, like those I think are different qualities that like a manager has to do that as well as affirm you and affirm what you are doing um, and affirm the belief that you can do better. Um, then, then you all of a sudden, I feel like that in, imposter sometimes goes away quite quickly. Like, like mm. let's bring it back to horror world, Jasmine. I didn't have a clue what I was doing when I joined your team. I have no idea. That's I not just true. Knew. That's not well, true. You immediately no, you submitted okay. you have imposter syndrome, but you're actually the perfect human for the role that you had. <laughs> Like, are you, well, okay, but but let's let's backtrack to November two thousand eighteen. Okay, take it back. All it was at that point was, I know that I have to be here. I didn't know what I was going to be doing. I didn't know how I would be helping. And you, as a manager and a team member, like helped my imposter syndrome when I moved back after after uh, my brief visit to to Canada for early Christmas. When I, when I got back to Beacon here in December and it was like, okay, go time. Um, you came alongside as in, in that sort of manager role and said, yes, you are exactly where you need to be. Yes. These are how your skills can be beneficial to what we're doing here. And yes, go for it. Um, and, <laughs> and so that idea of like, we, what like I I just was in Canada and people are like wait you're going back to India to do what and I'm like I'm gonna be at a guest house with my friend I'm gonna be at a guest house with my friend and then I showed up and it manifested through through that relationship and through that cultivation um the imposter syndrome evaporated really quickly and and in its place was cultivated uh, my own growth, which I knew was going to happen. Right. And so, and so that's kind of what we had talked about at the beginning of this. Um, you know, your first question was at what point in starting something new, do you begin to think that it will fail? Uh, my answer to that was like, not right at the beginning, right at the beginning, it's full of excitement and enthusiasm. And then as soon as I start, it's like, what am I doing? Um, and then I do believe that that outside affirmation is what makes or breaks it after that. Um, yeah, because, because you can just spin your own wheels in your head with, if you don't have someone else other than yourself saying, you know what, you're good. Yeah. And I think there's, okay, there's two really like golden points that you've just pointed out. So one, it, in terms of starting it, feeling fine and competent, and then moving forward and feeling insecure in the process, I feel like that's something, I feel like that's something that probably most people can connect on. Um, and maybe, maybe that's kind of the, the part of your journey when imposter syndrome starts to creep in, because it's, because once you've understood like, okay, this is what I need to do, but you as an individual are bringing in like your own perspective, your own experiences, your own, um, you know, background and expertise and whatever it is that you're taking on. So let's say for you, for example, as like a facilitator and, 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 and program leader, um, you know, you're coming in and you're bringing your own individuality to the role. And I think once that's, I feel like once we start to take a little bit more personal ownership and start to weave in like our ideas and, 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 uh, you know, uh, aspects of our personality that like bring together whatever it is you're working on alive, that's definitely where the imposter syndrome comes in. I would say like now that I'm kind of looking, looking at our stories, but at the same, at the, and then another thing that you mentioned was this idea of having like a strong manager or like management structure where there is affirmation coming from, from your team, you know, uh, you know, what happens when the manager, the, the owner, <laughs> the person at the top of, uh, of, of, you know, the, the business, the organization, 
is the one with imposter syndrome. And I think, um, you know, one thing that's always bothered me, even though I've always felt like, yeah, I have the experience, I have the expertise I need for this role. Like I can do this. And I reaffirm that with myself on like, you know, as much as I can. Uh, I just remembered like something that I felt really insecure in was when I was running um, Studio 89 in Mississauga, when I I was the executive director of a youth uh, social justice organization. um, And I was 24 years old. And I was like, what the hell is a 24 year old doing as an ED? Uh, Like, (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done this before, you know? And and, you know, I wanted the role so badly. I was like, I'm going to kill this role. And I did. I totally killed that role. Like, I know that yeah, now. You did. And I remember at the time, even yeah. when I left, I felt so discouraged because I didn't get any affirmation from the board. I didn't really get, I actually know, that's a lie. I got affirmation from the board, but I didn't really get it in where I needed it most. And, you know, and yeah. obviously, you know, one of the things I feel, and I've seen this a lot with like amazing people in my life who are just such strong leaders, is that instead of getting the affirmation that they need, they actually continuously get pushed and challenged by the people mm. in their in, in their like immediate community that are part of whatever the project is that they're working on. So let's say like their their colleagues or uh, their management team, um, right? Or whatever. Or like if they're at the top of it, like everyone else below is just like uh, uh, they they know that they're great. That person is great, so they continuously to just be like, okay, well now you should do this, or like, have you thought of this? And mm. instead of taking a pause to like reflect and be like, look at what you've accomplished. It's incredible. Let's move forward together. It's like, you know, continuously poking at that person. And then they get to a point where they're like, okay, well, like if all that I've done is not really being appreciated and no one's mentioning anything, or, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like I could use some affirmation, but I, I don't know how to ask for it. You know, you end up getting kind of stuck in this space of like constantly challenging yourself and feeling like you're never doing enough. And I think that's like, something that resonates with me most in almost Mm. every role I've had, because, um, I mean, I feel like I, every role that I've, I've stepped into, I've, okay. One, I've stepped into a leadership role in a messy situation for the company. I don't know why that has been a trend my entire life, but I I think it's taught me that I'm not really supposed to work for other people (laughs) and that I'm supposed to lead my own projects because I felt like at least so when I was working at the nonprofit, before that I was working, uh, when I was like living in my event management world, before I permanently basically oh, yeah. to India, I was doing wedding planning, which I've never done before. And then I worked for KPMG and I was in the event management department. And, uh, right. oh my God, what did I do? I don't know, a million other jobs before that. But those were like my big ones after like college. And I was hired as like a newbie and I was meant to do something really like transformative at some point in that process in that role because shit was like hitting the fan and then like I did that thing but like then something major happened so like at KPMG it was like a really I don't even know if I can use their name on this podcast but whatever whatever um (laughs) they basically hit like a massive financial shit storm and had to like eliminate the entire event management department um when wow. I was working at the catering company, one of our biggest clients uh, was exposed for like frauding the company. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. One, when I was working for the nonprofit, like I came into the role and like a few months later realized that there was like no money and like we needed to, mm. like, I had to get something sorted to get some funding in. And like, I'm really proud that I'm able to say like, I got us tons of money in from like funding or like grants and all these things and was able to do all this cool shit. But you know, in that process, you're just doing the work and you're like stressed out and nobody can really help you because nobody really knows what to do. So, and you're the person who's supposed to know what to do. And you're like, Oh my God, am I doing the right thing? And that totally translates over when you're then leading the project. Um, However, I feel like, although I'm definitely a stressed out entrepreneur manager person (laughs) who suffers from extreme anxiety, um, Mm. I feel like I also coming into Hotter World, I I started it with a very relaxed approach because I was like, who knows what's going to happen? And then as shit started to get even more real and we started doing more things and having more impact and launching more programs, that's when I was like, okay, 
what am I doing? And honestly, I rely a lot on you for that because I trust you and respect your experience. And I, you know, I, to this day, I still tell people, I'm like, honestly, there's no way that Manoj and I would have been able to had scale uh, Mm. a world to where it was without Kelsey. And, and like, I don't even know if you realize that, but it it is true. It's a hundred percent true. There's no way that Hada House alone and then the overarching organization as a whole could have gotten to where it needed to be without you. Like you were a huge pillar in that project. And, and I think a big part of also, sorry, now I'm just like ranting a story, but do one, it. one of the biggest things in this journey is also realizing that you can't do everything alone. You can't, yes. you can't be miserable thinking like, oh my God, am I the right person? I need to like, you know, strap my boots up and do something different to make people think that I know what I'm doing. You don't need that. You actually need a team. You need a team that you can Mm -hmm. trust and support. You need to know how to delegate. You need to know where your strengths are and your weaknesses are. And being honest and vulnerable in that so that like, if you do know what your weaknesses are, finding ways to make them your strengths. And that might be finding someone who can take on that responsibility for you. Um, And sometimes that's not always possible. But I think, you know, taking the time to identify where you are feeling uncomfortable and why and then putting energy into making, you know, feeling confident in that area is huge. Um, it is. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that we've, that, that we've mentioned is that idea of, of understanding your path and like, um, it's, it's such a difficult thing to do when you're in it <laughs> and the anxieties and the stresses and the everything is, is overwhelming. Um, but 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 whether whether by having a team or by having affirmations or by taking a break, like that ability to step out of that con- constant um, spiral to to take a look, like kind of at a meta look at where you are, where you've been, where you're going, and understanding what the what the now role is um I I think is it is is a beautiful thing to be able to do um just to refocus and recenter yourself and be like oh right this is why I'm here right now okay this is this is I remember the goals that I set out for myself and Mm -hmm. oh they're so far behind me when did that happen and taking that moment of reflection to to fully appreciate your own efforts yeah I think that's huge also because um you know something that I feel could also come up in terms of like realizing you have imposter syndrome is that maybe you've strayed so far from the original goal or or task that you laid out in front of you and you've maybe like overcomplicated it or maybe you're just freaking tired and need a rest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I remember actually in August, I took a week off from basically everything. And the when I came yeah. back, I was like, oh my gosh, like I am able to solve problems way quicker. Mm-hmm. Like I'm processes that were like complicated, like were just too complex are like just make total sense now. Like I have so much clarity. And and like sometimes that just simply taking a step back, taking time off, re-strategizing, restructuring, you know, realizing where you're actually, where you're actually going and where you've gone um, can make all the difference. It totally can make totally. all the difference. Well, and it's the difference, it is the difference between um, being present and not being present. And, mm-hmm. um, Maybe it's because we've lived in India for too long, but being present is so important. Like it's so important um, for for those of you who are unaware. It's a very like culturally specific thing to India, um, and and something that doesn't lot me. I mean, at least to me, it's like being present. I was like, okay, being present, but um, 
it, it, it was something that living in India came to understand sort of more fully and, and on a personal and intimate sort of experiential level. Um, because you never want to be caught with that, like going back to the example of, of me with um, the role of Mrs. Potts, like you never want to be caught in that like hindsight trap of, oh, I really should have enjoyed that more. <laughs> like, mm. like you just don't want to do that. It's, it's that, um, that hindsight thing um that that gives you clarity that's overrated and bullshit like you don't need hindsight to appreciate what you're doing right now and so and so taking that week off in august so that you can jump back into your work and be present with your work and and be present with yourself i think is is so a part of it and then and then if you're in the present and you're aware of how you got there and where you're going then it doesn't matter if you fail or not mm. Mm. yeah yeah and to add to that I think it is totally necessary to fail I think we're, yeah. we're, we're supposed to fail the failure right is one of the biggest learning lessons. Uh, like, oh, I'm just thinking of an example. Um, when's the last time I really failed? Just failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> what did I fail miserably at? Babe. Maybe I can't think of something I failed miserably at, but I think the reason I don't think of it like as failure is because I'm like, yeah. Uh, like I learned something like, okay, like yes. totally vulnerable moment. When we closed the doors to Hada house in March, mm. I was like, I failed, I failed, I failed. And which is like the most ridiculous shit ever because one, yeah. there are so many challenges that we were facing in Beacon Air. Um, yeah. And like one of the biggest ones was lack of tourism <laughs> and yeah. um, you know, and always and still to this day there is a plan for the next things that we want to accomplish um whether that's through different programs or services we're offering through the hotter world platform to opening you know multi-purpose zero-way spaces um in other areas of india or maybe even the world who knows but Ooh. you know ultimately you know closing the doors made me like for weeks I was like I failed and then coronavirus came in and I was like oh my god this everything is awful <laughs> um and, you closed just on time yeah <laughs> and then you realize that you're like okay well maybe you know the feeling of failure has to seep in first for us mm. to then realize oh oh I, I, I there's xyz things that are happening right now that connect directly back to the thing that I thought I failed at and now mm. I'm thinking, maybe I didn't fail at it. Maybe that's just the way yeah. it was meant to be because yeah. there's another direction, again, another path that needs to be taken. So taking that intentional time to reflect and realize like maybe that's just not the way it was meant to be. And honestly, now when I think about, I'm like, yeah, grieving Hada House, the first Hada House, Bikonir Hada House, the Bikonir is the place I invested the last like five years of my life in. You know, mm -hmm. to I'm still grieving that house and that experience and that energy and that just the, the the daily routines that I built for myself and the team in that space that we built together. You know, I'm still allowed to grieve that, but no, I, I know now, no, that wasn't a failure. And I feel yeah. like every time that I even like, I feel like every time I even say it by accident into the universe, like even the other day. I was like, oh, I feel like I, like just to my husband, like I failed, like just like in this miserable state. And, you know, cause it was, you know, this, this week was the two year anniversary of like when we built the space yeah. and, you know, it was, it was really emotional. And obviously that's why this topic is so like close to my heart this week. But, you know, I, I posted on Instagram about like, you know, 
this this week marks two years since we mm-hmm. built this house and, and the experience that we had and like with our goddess gathering and it just being something that was so special. So precious. Yeah, and marking yeah. the end of summer after running all these programs and coming together in this mm-hmm. space to build something beautiful and and yeah, like regenerative and that was going to spark all this beautiful new energy into the city. Like, you know, it's, I don't even remember where I was going with this. I just got, I just got carried away. <laughs> well, yeah, you had mentioned that, that, that this is what happens when it's a, when it's an anniversary situation. Um, but, but all of these things that you just mentioned of, of the origin story of that month that the, goddess circle spent um getting the house ready with you and Manoj um you're saying create this space bring this energy into the city all of those things were done and so how how can it possibly in any realm of the imagination be considered a failure when when those goals were accomplished and um it's 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 this really precious beautiful thing that like right now the time for it is 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 complete at the moment and we still don't know we still don't know what kind of fruition will come through there yeah yeah um I feel like I had a point to close it up with but oh I think I just got emotional (laughs) and that's okay we can leave space for emotions this is what our chai chats uh, curated consciously are all about. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I guess people are just listening literally to our chai chats. Uh, I, maybe we need to, we need like our, a separate channel for that. But <laughs> like chai chat. <laughs> but yeah, I honestly, well, one, first of all, just thank you for also mm-hmm. being open to like ha- making space for this topic. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad that, cause I was going to record this episode alone, but it actually feels like that also felt very vulnerable. Cause I feel like I would just, yeah. and I really appreciate oh, you joining me for this, but well, yeah. they, I mean, my pleasure always. Um, yeah, I, I, as Jasmine mentioned, dear audience, we walked into this conversation with uh, no plan, just being like, we're just going to talk about this one concept. Um, and I feel like we got to a really precious space. And I'm just thrilled about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if we could like leave the audience with like some like nuggets to kind of help them work through imposter syndrome. I think, mm. well, one, um, I started a trend now with all of the episodes to kind of follow up with follow-up questions and like writing exercises t- so that if anything comes up yeah. for you during these episodes, um, just jump over to Instagram.com slash Instagram.com. Who the, who the fuck uses Instagram on, on, a, <laughs> on a website or on their computer? Go to Instagram. You are old. <laughs> I, yeah, I totally just admitted that I use Instagram on my computer. It's so much easier to navigate. Uh, so, okay, so curated <laughs> consciously on Instagram, my bad. So um, usually the day after the episode goes live, I put up reflection questions. So if you'd like to dive deeper into this, definitely hit us up on Instagram or um, our Conscious Badasses Facebook group. So all of the reflection questions yeah. get up in there. And that's also a safe space for conversation. It's a private group. Um, anyone is welcome uh, in our community, but it's a private group so that we can ensure that like what, what's staying in there stays in there. Um, share your thoughts, um, opinions, mm-hmm. experiences, anything you want. It's a great, great space to be vulnerable and have a community support you. But on top of that, I think, you know, maybe we haven't given the most realistic or, or, or resonant examples around maybe an imposter syndrome um, you know, situation that you might be going through. Cause we're talking about like uh, running a business or like, or programs or theater. And maybe you don't relate to that, but you know, maybe it's uh, feelings like, you know, you feel like an imposter in your role in your home as a partner, as a mom, yeah. as a dog owner, as, yeah. as someone who is 
maybe trying to figure out their next step after this bullshit. And like, you know, maybe you've lost your mm. job or have decided to step away from your job and are, are, have started a new hobby and are trying to scale up your side hustle. Like you are going to feel all the feels in those journeys. And again, we invite you, this is to, to, to have this conversation with us and, to, and also invite yeah. you to bring people that you respect and who will hold space for you in your own intimate communities to have these discussions because if you don't open the conversation, you don't know where, you know, where people can support you. Um, and I think yeah. that's one of the biggest things that I've learned, especially in my adventures with Kelsey, is like learning to ask for support and ask for space because I never knew how. I would either just take up space and it was like the wrong time or I would hold in all of my things forever and then no. explode into a star. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah, and and following after that with a, a little nugget of those affirmations are vital. We can't be everything for everyone, and we also need community. We need other people. We are we are creatures of community, and so I know how much Jazz and I and you, dear listener believe in your own ability and I believe in your own ability too I also believe that you deserve to have a community that affirms you so that's one nugget from my side um and the next nugget from my side to leave you with this day is be in it be in the now be present be in the moment because you're never going to get this time back. Inhale the goodness, exhale the bullshit. Thank you for listening, and thank you for doing the work. Be sure to jump over to curatedconsciously.co for more stories, tips, and inspiration for nurturing your conscious living journey. And be sure to follow along on Instagram at curatedconsciously. Huge shout out to my incredible husband, Profound Sound, for the original dope tracks. Hope you all enjoyed, are feeling a little lighter, and are going into a beautiful and blessed day.